Hello, I'm Cassie Gillespie, and you're listening to Welcome to the Field, a podcast for child welfare workers, caregivers, and community partners. Today, Janine Beaudry will be bringing you a special conversation that digs into great partnerships between kin and foster caregivers. Take it away, Janine. Thanks, Cassie. I'm Janine Beaudry, and at the Vermont Child Welfare Training Partnership, I'm a training and coaching specialist for kin, foster, and adoptive caregivers. Today's podcast highlights how strong, positive partnerships between kinship and foster caregivers can support safety and well-being for children and within families. You'll hear from three women who, in their very different roles, work together to give a child, whom we'll call L, and his family the best support possible. L is a one-year-old boy, and from what I hear, he's the cutest little guy around. As a matter of fact, I just saw a picture of him, and I can confirm that he is the cutest little guy around. Sloan and Tyler Prescott are licensed foster parents, and L is the first child they fostered. Sloan and Tyler have been taking care of L for most of his life, along with their six-year-old and four-year-old daughters. Tyler, who was unable to join our conversation today, is also a hospital pharmacist. Sloan was also a teacher before becoming a stay-at-home parent three years ago. Thanks so much for joining us today, Sloan. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Crystal Costella is Elle's maternal great-aunt and has known Elle all his life. She's also been close with Elle's birth mom her whole life. Crystal became a formal respite care provider so she could take care of Elle sometimes and so that she could support long weekend family time with Elle and his birth mom. Crystal also has two daughters, ages 12 and almost four, and works for a contractor for the Department of Homeland Security, U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. Thanks, Crystal, for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Julie Koslowski is a veteran family services worker who has been supporting child and family safety and well-being in that role for 20 years. During that time, she's developed a passion for bridging foster and birth families in support of the children they care for, because doing so brings people together and leads to better outcomes. She reached out to us hoping we'd share this story because Sloan, Tyler, and Crystal's teamwork has greatly benefited Elle. Julie shared that you couldn't ask for a better group of people, especially because their teamwork helped Elle have extended time with his birth mom and supported her in taking care of Elle. Julie, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Crystal, I was hoping we could start off this conversation hearing a bit about your experience as a formal kinship respite provider. You already had a full, busy life as a single mother of two and also worked outside the home. I know it can be really hard to partner with family services and foster parents and shift your relationship with a family member so you can support a child's safety and well-being. I imagine it must have been very important to you. What were the greatest joys of dedicating your home, your heart, and your time to Elle and his birth mom? For me, I think the most important thing was to be able to maintain a strong bond and relationship with Elle. Um but also to be able to give his mom some coaching and advice on how to be a better parent, um, allowing her the extra time was both rewarding and trying at the same time mm-hmm. because I gave up my life on the weekends, especially with my own kids, because I was so focused on providing her that extra time with Elle. Um but really, though, it was so important to me because he was so young mm-hmm. that I had that time from age three months till one year to really for him to get to know me um, so that I wasn't like a stranger in his life when he got older to toddler age. 
So I was I was very happy for that. That was probably the best part. I can imagine um, some of the challenges you faced, and then there are so many, I'm sure, that those of us who haven't been a kinship caregiver could never imagine. What helped you overcome or at least cope with those many challenges? Just knowing what he deserved um, made it easier for me to just kind of put one foot in front of the other Mm -hmm. and do whatever I had to do to be able to be a part of giving him that better life. Um, But also having Sloan and Tyler's support just it was it's been a breeze really um there hasn't really been anything difficult as far as communication or planning um Sloan was always so good about texting and communicating and setting things up and meeting halfway so that the travel time because I live in St. Albans and they live in Morrisville. So she would always meet me halfway, which was super helpful to save on mileage and time. Um, And then just communicating back and forth, like how we were feeling about things and like talking about the case and letting me know when things were going badly or when they were going good, Um, keeping me updated on Elle all the time, constantly sending all of us in the family photos. Um, That has made things so much easier knowing that he's in foster care Mm -hmm. and not with me. And that's what helped me make the decision not to go ahead with kinship care and allow him to remain in the foster home. Sounds like that you were able to maintain your relationship and maybe even strengthen your relationship. And it sounds like building that relationship with Sloan and Tyler and that respect that you've built and that partnership that you've built really allowed for that to happen. That's Absolutely. I don't think that it would have gone the same direction that it did if Sloan and Tyler weren't who they are. And then, of course, you know, Julie's support. Um, anytime I had questions, I would reach out to her and she would answer anything that she could. Um, she kind of kept me up to date with how things were going with mom mm-hmm. because she wasn't always honest with me about things. Mm-hmm. And I could communicate with Julie about things that she necessarily wasn't being honest with DCF about. So um, communication for me is a huge thing and I thrive on communication. Mm -hmm. So when you have this whole group of people that are just trying to do what's best for the baby, communicating as well as we all have, it just makes it that much easier. Yeah. So it sounds like having that open communication really was part of being able to build better safety for Elle between all of you. Absolutely. Sloan, you and Tyler became foster parents for the first time a year ago, and you already had busy lives with work and two young children. Elle's been with you ever since, and I imagine a lot has changed for you over the past year. What has made all of those changes worth it? He has brought so much joy to our family. I always say throughout this whole journey, the joy to hardship ratio with him is 10 to 1. We've experienced so many firsts with him that have been so special, such as his first steps, his first teeth, his first words. So that's just made it so special. Um, We've learned so much as a family, especially my girls, about sacrificial love and sacrificial giving. So those experiences that they've gone through are so invaluable to us. Mm -hmm. And it also always feels worth it when we zoom out and look at the big picture, knowing that the love that he's felt, the positive attachments that he's made are going to shape and impact him for the rest of his life. So even when it's hard now 
knowing that doing this work will matter forever mm-hmm. always makes it feel worth it. And how about for your children? Have have there been any major positives that have just been obvious to you in the last year or so? My oldest is very um, giving. We talk a lot about how we're doing this because we feel called to do it. Um, we want to give back to him. So I've just noticed that she is very giving and loving herself. One thing she did recently that was cute mm-hmm. was she made bouquets for every social worker that came and picked him up throughout the week. She loves to pick flowers and make bouquets. So every time when somebody came picking him up, and she made one for his mom, mm. which was sweet because we did a visit. So she's just, I don't know, seeing and learning about giving and sacrificing our time and things that we might want to do because we're caring for this little guy. And mm-hmm. yeah, so it's been very positive for them, I think. Um, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice about being a foster parent and having Elle come into your lives, what would you say? <laughs> this one makes me laugh. Um, I would tell myself, which I still tell myself every day, not to ride the emotional roller coaster that is foster care. My husband is really good at this. I am not. But I would just try and tell myself to focus on the day today. What can I do to love and support this child today? Not focus on what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen next week, what's going to happen next month, because that I did for a while. And it made me crazy. So just focusing on the here and now and just trusting in what's going to happen is going to be what's best for him, that there's a system in place that is designed to do what's best for kids and families. And just focusing on my job, which is to love and support him. And, And what helped you to kind of make that transition from worrying about those things to focusing on the best you can give, the love you can give right now, and trusting that, you know, everybody is working in terms of making sure that Elle has what he needs and has the best and is safe and doing well. I think maybe from crashing and burning a little bit, getting a little burnt out, um, and working through that, talking a lot with my husband about it, because he does a very good job at... um, not going down the rabbit hole all the time. Mm-hmm. So, and just seeing how he's handled it. And it is, I have to be very intentional about it, like every day. Okay, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to mm-hmm. stay here. Um, but it's definitely something I am still working through <laughs> <laughs> every day, right? Yep. Right. One day at a time. Sure. It sounds like it has to be a pretty <laughs> intentional process here yes. for you. Yep. Yeah. Julie, you've been working to ensure the safety and well-being of vulnerable children and families for two decades. You must have experienced just about everything in that time. What has been special about what Sloan, Tyler, and Crystal have done to support Elle and his birth mom? Well, they've been able to wrap the mom together when she is willing to accept the help. Um, Sloan provides visits. Crystal has provided visits. um, And... Extended family members have provided visits, and um, at this point, mom is choosing not to be a part of her immediate family and has disengaged from her support group, but Elle has not lost all those supports, so he knows who his grandparents are. He knows who his great-grandparents are. He knows who his biological cousins are. He knows who his uncle is. He knows who his great aunt is. Um, He's familiar with that. And 
you know, I, I couldn't ask for a better scenario. You know, they've become a family, mm-hmm. like Sloan and her family have, like, um, blended with Elle's birth family, and now he has tons of people who love and care for him mm-hmm. and are there to protect him. Yeah. So um, it's been an amazing journey. Um, this has been a very special case, I think. I think we have really unique um, people and who are willing to give themselves, mm-hmm. even though it's really hard. Yeah. Um, so uh, we've been really lucky. What would the situation, if you had to imagine it, look like if there wasn't such involvement with birth family and such um, ease of the relationship between birth family and foster family? I think that um, L would lose out on knowing his birth family. I think that um, there are times that foster parents feel threatened or the birth family feel threatened and it's all like a tug of war. And I think that's really damaging for youth and children and especially babies. Um, I think in order for children to be successful and to healthy young adults, they need to have all those type of relationships, family relationships. And it's important, you know, and it, it creates a safety net for this child. Dep- even if, he, and the thing is, if he say he is adopted, he's not going to lose all that family and support. Mm-hmm. Or if for some reason he's not adopted and mom is able to meet the case plan goals and reunification happens, my intention would be for that extended family to be there for safety. And we've created a relationship between mom and the foster parents as well so that no matter what, they're going to have a connection because it's in Elle's best interest. So, Julie, what are some thoughts or advice you could share with family services workers or kinship or foster caregivers who are daunted by partnering in support of a child and family? It's not about you. It's about the child. The child is the most important thing. It's important to immediately start doing genograms immediately and reaching out to family. It takes a long time. And there also has to be a process, you know, we're going to be going through. And just because someone couldn't be a placement doesn't mean they can't be a part of this child's life. They could be like, oh, I can provide information on their birth parents and create a book of what their life looked like. They can provide transportation. It needs to happen for these children. Mm -hmm. Because it's horrible when, you know, you we remove a child and we place them in a foster family. And if it's on an island, once they're placed back, they lose all of those supports and connections. And that's mm-hmm. the worst case scenario. The goal would be to encourage foster families and birth families to work cohesively. And, um, and sometimes it's challenging, mm-hmm. you know, like this is a... A really, really good situation. This is, you know, just very lucky, very um, sincere and caring. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people that were not, we weeded them out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a process. And I think that was hard for everybody. Yeah. So it sounds pretty clear that 
it's a difficult process and it's far and beyond worth it for the child or children. And if people involved, regardless of their role, regardless of their relationship, keep in their mind, it's not about me, I'm an adult here, and mm -hmm. it's about putting that child or those children first. And with that squarely in my mind, now what needs to happen, right? And sometimes parents don't have the best reactions. Mm -hmm. And that's happened. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, the family is so involved in caring about Elle that mom views them as a threat because, you know, they were concerned about mom's behaviors, right. which were not safe, mm -hmm. and let us know. And then once we, you know, I confronted mom on those behaviors, she cut her family off. And that's a huge concern because I'm, I don't think reunification will be successful if she does not mend those fences with her family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it sounds like the bottom line is that she's an adult. She can make whatever choices she makes. She has the capacity she has and for Elle. Mm -hmm. Regardless, Elle has his people, right? He mm -hmm. has a huge village. Yeah. And, you know, Sloan's, and it's almost, you know, what was it last weekend you guys had a family dinner at your house yeah mm -hmm. and it was like i was like that's awesome mm -hmm. you know like why don't i get invited but <laughs> um <laughs> you were on vacation we didn't want to bother you <laughs> i would have came for free food <laughs> um no but that that's what in a perfect world and it's it doesn't always happen and i think that i think if we really took the time and I think that I, we need a position that just does this for mm. each office mm -hmm. to... You look at me like you're waiting for me to volunteer for that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I think you'd be good. <laughs> but I think that it's important. I think that mm -hmm. every family has value mm -hmm. and every person in that family has value. We've all made poor choices in our life, like... I make mistakes every day, mm -hmm. but we can't hold it against. It doesn't mean they don't love this child mm -hmm. or they are not going to be a safety. Mm -hmm. And I think that the department needs to change. Mm -hmm. I think that training and working and advocacy for families and foster parents is very important mm -hmm. in this area. Yeah. And it's, it's you know, somewhat historically new for um, birth family kinship um, to really be reached out to immediately, to mm -hmm. be wrapped into the work that's happening, to become a very integral part of the planning and a child or children's lives. Um, that has been uh, a possible thing and something that's happened, but not necessarily always. And there's been some kind of procedural things in the way of that before. We've always e were evolving. Mm -hmm as a state um i remember when we didn't look yeah. at family and then i see the outcomes of the children who didn't have that yeah. so it's it's like a huge passion for me yeah. with um any case i can get my hands on and going okay let's figure this out even if it's mining the the parents childhood mm -hmm. file you know, and figuring out who's who. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of process here, and there was a lot of learning for everybody involved, including me. We never went through the process. Um, Chris, we found Crystal, 
there was other family members that also were interested. Mm-hmm. And we had to call a couple times, not because it's a huge thing to take on. Yeah. So it was a, a long a really process. A long process. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we even went through, um, we had an appeal mm-hmm. because you were... Sloan and Tyler were like, we love this kid. We don't want to lose him. Mm-hmm. And there was an appeal process. And in the end, we all came together just talking mm-hmm. and talking it out and figuring out a way that everybody could be involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Crystal was and her mom were on the call. We It was during COVID. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, but and we were doing it virtually and you, Crystal is like, I just want him to have the best life possible. And I think, and they were like, we think that's with Sloan and Tyler. Because I had begun the process to become his kinship provider. Yeah. Um, I had secured daycare. I had made a room in my two-bedroom apartment for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I had my toddler sleeping in my room with me mm-hmm. just to make that possible. And it got to the point of having a virtual meeting with the coordinator who deals with children being moved from foster home to foster home and, you know, trying to limit the amount of times they're moved. And she just said she wanted to be transparent and said that, you know, they've, the Prescott's had expressed their desire to maintain their placement. And I said, then why are we even here? That's a no brainer for me. Mm. So she had suggested that we all have a meeting with Julie and we did. It was a very emotional meeting. Sure was. I can imagine. Um, But in the end, Everybody agreed. Yeah. Everyone was on the same page. And we all just knew. Like there was there was no question ever whether a single mom of two kids in a two bedroom apartment right. should take on another baby. Right. Um, or if he could just stay where he's gonna have the best life possible. So it was it was easy. Yeah. Honestly, like I hear horror stories all the time and I'm like, I don't understand. This is it's been hard, but it's been easy, yeah. really. It's been a long process, but with patience and understanding and knowing that ultimately we all just want the same thing, yeah. that just makes it easy. It's really important for, you know, you think about it, you take it down your egos. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, again, it's about the child. Yeah. And what does this child need and how can we give it in different ways? Collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And communication. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that communication was key. And it wasn't through a social worker. It was the foster parent and the kinship provider mm-hmm. or family connecting. Mm-hmm. And I haven't had to do much after that. They, mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know. Yeah. Um, and also letting go of the micromanaging. Yeah. I think that social workers will do that. Yeah. You know, they need to be able to make some decisions together. Yeah. So it sounds like if birth family and foster families are able to really work well together, then any part of the system that's still involved is able to step back, do other work, mm-hmm. and let a lot of that decision-making happen between family members, right? Yeah, and we can focus on, okay, how can we get the parent yeah. to resume their you know, parental responsibilities? Yeah. Or how can we make it easier for the foster parent? or the family provider, or the court process. It's a lot. A lot of things need a lot of focus, and the more everybody's stepping up to the plate for that, the Mm -hmm. better we're all able to do all of those different things that need to happen. And knowing that there's hundreds and hundreds of cases, you're you're only one of 
many that each social worker takes on in a day. So knowing that we can help ease that just by simple communication, it would eliminate so many problems within the system. Takes a village, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and it, there's less communication problems. You know, like mm-hmm. you ever play like a telephone? Telephone, yeah. That gets you in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Because the story changes or yeah. something happens. Yeah, with the best of intentions. Yeah. Any, anytime there's somebody in the middle of a communication. But the one of the things in, in this family is they really don't have the ego issue in the foster parents. So that has been the great thing. Um, they're just all, I would say, angelic and easy to work with. That is not always common. Yes, both. Um, <laughs> I'm among angels right now. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, this is a, a unique and lucky case. And this is, you know, if it goes to training, I really would like social workers to listen. And I want foster parents to listen. And I want extended family. And extended family also can look at, you could be like, oh, they're not biological, but they're fictive kin. because. Mm-hmm. That also plays a factor. Yeah, anybody who is in the child's sphere, mm-hmm. right, and knows him, loves him, cares about him, um, can can and, be involved. And you know, like you look at Sloane's family; they've she has a large family and connections and a church, and they've all opened up and have fallen in love with this little guy. So it's just bigger and bigger of safety and love and having him be raised healthy. Mm-hmm. And have attachments. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Absolute honor to sit and listen to this story and listen to the roles that you've all played, um, how you've worked together, put yourself aside um, for the love and benefit of a child and, and uh, you know, and his birth mom and um, being there as a support no matter what. And yet making sure that that safety and well-being is the center for, for that child. So before... Um, we close. I want to um, allow for anyone to share any thoughts that you might have that you want to share with each other or any thoughts just that we haven't talked about yet that you'd like to share with our listeners. Well, I do want to add that um, Sloan and Tyler have been amazing with working with mom. Mm. And that is key. Um, having the parent feel also safe and and the parent being able to say, my kid's in a good place. I know my kid's safe. I know my kid's loved. And the communication, like, when, um, because of COVID and uh, some illnesses, they couldn't always have visits alone, took it on and did video calls Mm. with mom. And that was huge. She sends her pictures. Uh, You guys have professional pictures done, and you give them to the parents the whole um, family, we get them too. Yes. Wonderful, <laughs> but it's you know like that. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, um, I think you guys are amazing. Thank you. When I say angelic, yes, <laughs> that's how I describe you. I'm like they're angels. I don't know where they came from. You know, yeah. My, my younger girls are very blonde, so that's how she that. <laughs> and they dance. Um, <laughs> and it's you know working with Crystal and your parents has been an amazing experience. And, you know, this is what I would hope for every case. It's not always like this. Mm -hmm. And this is a special case, but it's made me want to change my practice on how I do things. I think I'll add to that that your availability and accessibility has been so helpful 
in this process. So I guess bottom line is it's incredibly helpful to have someone yes. that you can contact mm-hmm. in the moment when there's something that comes up. And Absolutely. we acknowledge that it isn't always possible and that uh, mm-hmm. family services, whatever role somebody has in there, they have to have lives as well and be able to have some boundaries around communication. Yeah. But when you've been able to respond whenever something has come up, it's been incredibly helpful. But Absolutely. it's been the mm-hmm. same way with Crystal and Sloan. Like, I could text at any time. Mm-hmm. So it's been reciprocal. Nice. Um, and it's been very helpful. Nice. So Knowing boundaries, too. <laughs> yes. Like, is this important enough to call Julie for? <laughs> <laughs> and then the same thing went for Sloan, too. Like, there was, I forget, it was like one of the first couple overnights that I had with Al. And he was miserable. He does never he never cries he's always so happy and he cried from the moment i picked him up until i finally texted sloan and was like do you have any other suggestions and she was like um you could try this or if you want i can just come meet you like she was just so ready and willing like right there it didn't matter no matter what no matter any questions i've ever had i just call i ask she's always responded so Having people available to have that open communication with makes it that much easier. I never feel like I'm intruding on anyone's life by sending a message or popping in or whatever. I wanted to piggyback on what Julie was saying. Um, Through the whole process, I really tried to have the mindset of the golden rule, treating others how you want to be treated. So I always try to think... How would I want to be treated if I was this mother, if I was this great aunt, if I was this grandmother? I would want to be treated with grace, with love, with kindness, with respect, even though it's messy, even though it's very awkward at times, I still would want to be treated that way. So I always just try to go in, new day, I'm going to treat them with kindness. So that's, I think, helped us do what we've done. And the only other thing I wanted to say is I just wanted to encourage whoever's listening that there's so much beauty in foster care. It certainly would be easier if we had said no and stayed on the sidelines. That's not my problem. I don't need to worry about that. But we would have missed out on so much. All the wonderful relationships that we've made with his family and workers, all the growth we've been able to see in ourselves and our children, and all the joy that he's brought into our home that we would have missed out on if we hadn't entered into all of it. So, Getting all emotional. <laughs> Working hard not to. Okay, I know. Not going to. Um, so thank you so much, Julie, Sloan, and Crystal, for joining us today to talk about great partnerships between family services and kin and foster caregivers. We so appreciate your wealth of experience and the work you do every day. This has been an episode of Welcome to the Field with the Vermont Child Welfare Training Partnership. If you found this podcast useful, please visit our website, vermontcwtp.org, and check out our other podcast topics. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Field is produced by the Vermont Child Welfare Training Partnership and the State of Vermont. Our music is composed and performed by local band Brick Drop, and our sound production and engineering has been brought to you by Esmond Communications, and Egan Media Productions. For Welcome to the Field, I'm Cassie Gillespie, and we'll see you next time.